I saw a little picture this morning. It talked about, it was a picture of an iceberg. We've all seen the picture, right, with 90% of the iceberg below the water. And on the top it said, God's anointing was what you see on the person. And then it showed underneath all the work and all the, the other elements of God's anointing that we don't see, how much work the pastoral staff puts in and how much prayer that you guys put in and everything that goes into what we see and what we call God's anointing in our presence. But it's a whole everyday kind of thing. And I just, just want to share that with you that, you know, that through the week I'm laboring for you. I'm laboring on my knees, first of all. And I hope that you're doing the same for me. I'm praying and I'm working. And, and when I get up here and I pray and I ask God to help me function in the anointing he's placed on my life to do it, I know what work I've put in. I know how much time I've spent tuning my ears to his voice. And I trust that you're doing the same. And that's what this whole next couple weeks is going to be about. Is understanding that the Holy Spirit is not a God of confusion. And then when we say we need a fresh wind, what we're saying is, God, I position myself to receive what your Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. And I guarantee you that if you do that as an individual, you will see it reverberate through the whole. It's amazing how empowering it can be to agree with somebody. When you find somebody that agrees with you, especially when you're arguing with somebody and you just need somebody on your side. Ever been in that position where you know you're wrong? You know you're wrong, but you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm way too committed. And you just need one other person to come save you, <laughs> do something to get you out of it. There's four or five other people. I wish I have never been in that situation, but I'm way too stubborn to lie to you about that. Uh, I've definitely been in that situation. But it's powerful when, when somebody else agrees with you. People can meet for the first time at a Super Bowl party like next week. A little plug there. Did you catch that? It's really, listen, we're doing it because it's football. But let's just be honest. It's, a, it's just an excuse to get together and love each other. It's an excuse to come together and build communities. You may not like football. You may not look at the screen the whole time you're there, but come eat food with us. Come hang out with us. This is how we become closer. It's, it's taking the opportunity to just come and be together. You don't have to watch football. I guarantee you. I know at least five or six people that are going to be there that are not going to watch football at all. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I'm more excited about the football food than I am about the football. The two teams that are playing, I'm kind of sick of. But Come. Be a family. Be together. It's, it's just a great opportunity to just come and just get to know each other better and to spend time together. And let me tell you, folks, that is biblical. Just a simple time to take an advantage to come and to be together is biblical. But people can meet together at a Super Bowl party, whatever, cheer for the same team, never meet each other before, and all of a sudden there's a touchdown score, and the next thing you know, two complete strangers are hugging, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, whoa, whoa, what are we doing here? You ever been there? And you know what? We equally share in the misery, you know what? Like, I don't want to bring up a recent field goal that kind of went wide right, you know, and then you also need somebody to help you realize that you might need another shoulder to cry on. Sorry, Buffalo Bills fans. Probably too soon for that. What if you have a shared birthplace, uh, a school you graduated from? It's funny how when you see somebody and say, oh, I graduated from that school, you know, it could be 10 years after you, 10 years before, but you have that in common to start a conversation. Or a school that you graduated from, a common professor, a college that was shared, a shared experience, traveling to the same places, you know, you might have Maybe you both whitewater raft or scuba dived or, dare I say, bungee jumped or skydived. But you can have a, a similar experience that you share. Or maybe you just happen to share the love for the same restaurant that makes your favorite dish or something like that. A common enjoyment of a, a show on TV or an affinity for a certain character. Come on now, Star Wars people. 
This is crazy with you people. You can be complete strangers in a room, and all of a sudden, somebody starts talking about R2-D2 or C-3PO, and the next thing you know, you're like, hello, Master Luke, how are you? And then it's off and running, right? Or you're doing the because you got your Darth Vader impersonation on lock. It's amazing how common interests can unite people, but it's also amazing how differences of opinion among people with so much in common can divide. Not to pick on Star Wars people, but people get like this about Baby Yoda. Some people are like, it's not Baby Yoda. His name is Grogu. He has nothing to do with Yoda. Some of you know about that. Some of you don't. And I'm not saying that there's no connection between the two. I'm just saying they're not the same person. (laughs) One of the defining characteristics of the church must be agreement. I have this little... This little vial right here, I was explaining to some of our prayer folk this morning, this little vial of, of anointing oil. And later you're going to get the opportunity to come and be prayed for if you have any need in your body. And we're going to pray for the sick. But this little anointing oil, I mean, there's nothing really... This is not a, a, oil, a, a vial that contains the Holy Spirit. James chapter 5 tells us, you know, that when there's sick among you to gather the elders of the church, and anoint them, the person with oil and pray to prayer of faith. It's a sign of agreement. When we anoint with oil, we, is, we, we agree with the person. We're, we're acknowledging that we agree that the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is present and that there's healing present for this moment. Believing that God can heal, we agree together. The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst, right? This is not something we just, you know, randomly bring out and... and, and, and Repeat, because it sounds good, it's true. One of the defining characteristics of the church is agreement. We're united for a common goal, to live out the gospel. To speak it confidently and boldly, boldly, and most importantly, to love like it really is good news. Boy, I should have got one amen for that. It really is good news. We say it, but it's true. We have the most important message anybody could ever hear in their life, anybody could ever witness with how you live. We have the good news. It really is good news. I'm not mad at you. I'm just excited. Jesus stated clearly that this was his desire for us when he prayed for all believers in John 17, 20 to 21. He says, My prayer is not for them alone, not for the disciples and the apostles alone. It says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through my, their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That they'd understand that this is good news. Jesus prayed that we would be united, unified, as he and the Father and the Spirit are unified. Jesus has the same concern as the Father. The Holy Spirit's concern is the Son's. And they agree together. They are unified. They are in perfect harmony. In a few weeks, I'm going to talk about that a little bit further. Jesus' prayer reminds us that it is his desire that we be united in purpose, that we would have the same concern for one another and for the kingdom of God as a whole. Now, my text this morning is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Now, I've shared this with our staff in our staff meeting. I've shared this with our board meeting at the last board meeting, and I haven't, didn't go into a lot of detail, but I began to share my heart and I want you to know that these next couple of weeks are going to be very important in the life of Warden because we want to talk about having our same concern and uniting our minds and our hearts around a mission and a vision and understanding who we are as a church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 says this, Thanks be to God who put into the hearts of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with, a much, with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. Father, 
I pray that you would help me communicate this as you've communicated it to my heart. Probably one of the greatest fr frustrations <laughs> as a minister when you're trying to communicate and write things down that you want to communicate is when you feel like it doesn't get on the paper like it was expressing your own heart. But Lord, that's why we need you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would communicate this word to each of our hearts individually so that we unite us corporately. Father, we love you. Father, I covet your anointing. I pray your Holy Spirit would be the primary communicator in this room this morning. Give me clarity of thought as I present your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is important to understand that the context of this passage is around giving. It's around generosity. Titus had been sent to the Corinthians to receive what the church had collected for the poor in Jerusalem. It was a, an offering that they were collecting amongst a lot of the churches. It wouldn't have been a surprise to the church in Corinth, as Paul had mentioned the collection in the previous letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1-4, when he said, Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Now we jump back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we begin at the beginning of the chapter. Paul begins this chapter by commending the Macedonian churches, those at Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. And he commends them for their generosity, for their participation in the collection of this offering. He says to these churches in chapter 8, verses 3 and 4 of 2 Corinthians, he says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. God can only convince somebody to do that. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Entirely on their own. When we find our way back to our text in verses 16 and 17, we see that Paul is commending Titus as he goes to Corinth to receive this collection for the poor of Jerusalem. And Paul and Titus shared a great concern for the need in Jerusalem. But they also had a shared concern and affection for the people of Corinth. It is not that they both encountered the Corinthians and fell in love with them. I'm sure they were beautiful people. I am, not, I am sure they were a people worthy of affection, but the key part to this passage is that Paul thanks God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern. He put into the heart of Titus the same concern that Paul possessed for the Corinthians. Why is this shared concern so important? Why is this shared, agreed upon, same concern so important? Let's take a look. We look at this phrase, same concern, and now you'll hear me interchange over the next couple of weeks, shared concern and same concern. I mean, the, I mean the same thing. Shared concern, I believe, is an, is an example of inspired devotion. They both had an inspired devotion towards the same task. The word here, concern, in the Greek, it talks about, it can mean hurry or haste. In other words, get to it, it's important. It talks about earnestness, diligence, zeal, eagerness. It talks about a devoted effort. The type of concern here is not like the concern you feel when you see someone making bad choices or if you know that your loved one is driving in bad weather and you're worried about them. We all know how that goes, right? You leave your mom's house. I leave my mom's house in Woodstock. The weather's not the greatest, but I know i got to get home, and it's probably not the wisest decision. She says, you better call me when you get home. And if I'm five minutes late, she, she has, the Holy Spirit speaks to my mom, let me tell you. 
And if I'm not home, I'm literally getting a call five minutes later. My mom's figured it out, I don't know how, through the, the Holy Spirit calculator of the exact time I'm supposed to get home. And five minutes later, if I don't call or if I don't message, I get a message saying, are you home yet? That's not the kind of concern we're talking about here. But I appreciate that kind of concern. This kind of concern that Paul and Titus shared, it doesn't involve worry. Paul and Titus were not worried about the Corinthians. They loved them with a great earnest, with a great eagerness. And that love inspired their devotion, devotion to the Corinthians, their relationship with God, and their general well-being. In this passage, concern refers to a matter of interest and importance. They shared the same concern. They shared, they shared the same matter of interest and importance. This concern was more than just a shared affection for the Corinthians. It was, sh it was shared purpose that was providentially provided by God in both Paul and Titus separately. Think about that for a moment. If you pray for a people, Say you're praying for the Corinthians, and I'm praying for the Corinthians, and we're praying separately. We know the need, but we're praying that God would give us a heart for the people, that God would give us a passion for the people. Let's call the Corinthians Scarborough for a minute, can we? Toronto, Thornhill, Richmond Hill. I don't know how, God, how far God will allow our hands to reach. The GTA. But let's just say for a moment that we're praying for the same people. And we're praying with the same purpose. And we know that the gospel is everything. That it really is the good news. And we're praying that we find ways to share the gospel, to live the gospel, to, to, to care for people. Like people who understand that the gospel is good news care for people. Now, I suppose you're praying for that, and I'm praying for that, but we haven't really even got our heads together and figured all that out yet. I happen to believe that the Holy Spirit is not a God of confusion. And I happen to believe that when we do come together and say, I've been praying about this, and you come, the other person comes together and says, yes, I've been praying about this before, I believe there's some agreement that's going to happen there. I believe that the Holy Spirit works in more people than just the pastor. The Holy Spirit works in more people than just the board. The Holy Spirit works in more people than just the worship leader or the children's pastor or the communications and care pastor or the multimedia director. The, word, the Holy Spirit works in more people than those beautiful people who are in the sound booth back there and the person behind the camera. But yes, the Holy Spirit does work through those folks. But let me tell you, when you ask for a fresh wind of the Spirit and you say, pour your Spirit out, that's an individual question that has corporate results. And I said it to you, I preached it one of the first weeks when I came here, that I believe the key to unity is individuality. And people may say, well, that's kind of crazy, but I just believe in my heart that if I press into Jesus and I ask him, Lord, what do you want for Word and Full Gospel Assembly? What do you want for Scarborough? What do you want, Lord? What is our role? How do you want us to minister here? I believe that if I pray that, and I believe that if you pray that, that individually I'm aligning myself to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity, we're aligning ourselves with the Godhead. But you in doing the same thing, in praying, is doing the same thing. You're aligning yourself with the Spirit of God. And I do not believe that the God is going to tell you one thing and tell me something different. It was a shared purpose that Paul and Titus had that was providentially provided by God in both Paul and Titus separately. In developing a mission, vision, and understanding the core values of any family of believers, there needs to be a shared or a similar or same concern. We need to understand what the matter of interest and importance is. We need to understand what our goal is, what, what our overarching mission is. 
We need to understand that it's our responsibility to tell people that the gospel is the good news. Let me reiterate the shared concern for the church in Corinth was not initiated by Paul and adopted by Titus. It was a concern that was motivated by the Spirit of God and instilled by both Paul and Titus individually. But they came together with agreement to see a need. And you begin to see it work not only in Paul and Titus, but it says it also worked in the Macedonian church, in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in Berea, as it says, you know, that it was of their own accord. They did it entirely on their own. They collected the money for the needy people in Jerusalem entirely on their own because the Holy Spirit spoke to them as well. There's agreement that comes. Later this spring, God willing... I, together with our leadership, will be calling Warden, that's you, to join together for an extremely important gathering. Right now, it's scheduled for April the 13th. It's a Saturday. It's a little ways off. You're talking to me like it's February, but just close your eyes. It's a little warmer than you can imagine that time. April 13th. And I'm telling you right now, because schedules are tough in the city, right? But we want you to be a part of this process. We're going to gather, and we're going to talk about mission we're going to talk about vision. We're going to talk about value. And this week and next week, I want it's me commissioning you to pray with me. To speak to the Holy Spirit yourself. Say, God, what do you want for Warden? Father God, give wisdom to our nine board members. Give wisdom to our pastoral staff. Holy Spirit, we need your guidance and direction. i got to tell you, there's nothing in my life that terrifies me more than stepping in a direction that God has not first ordained. If I do not want to do anything that God does not want me to do. I go to sleep worried about it. And you say, well, pastor, it says not to be anxious about anything, but with Thanksgiving and prayer petition, I know. I pray, trust me. I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. I have a healthy fear of doing anything that Peter wants to do that's separate from what God wants to do. My personal agenda is not important here. Do I believe that as the pastor of this church, God has given me direction? Do I believe that he's already been speaking to me about some certain things? Absolutely. Will you hear them? Absolutely. But I believe that if we're praying... You're praying, and I'm praying. It's going to be agreement. It's going to be a time where we will explore and define our mission, our vision, our core values. A mission is our why. I mean, many of you could probably look at me right now and tell us what our why is, right? Like, go in the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not to overlook the making disciples part, not just to win people to Jesus, but to walk with them. That's the overarching mission, but what, how do we communicate that? How do we express that to where, you know, it defines who we are and, and what we can focus towards? Then we have our vision, which is our how. There's thousands of books that talk about that if you don't know where you're going and why you're doing it, then you won't be able to do it and you won't influence people to do it otherwise and so we need to be clear about why and how we're doing things our vision is our how what we dream does not come to pass until it becomes vision let me distinguish something from you we all have dreams we can dream great dreams i would dream about owning a lamborghini but i'm not going to take the action to get one because i don't want to be broke and I don't want them to come take it from me the next day when they tell me, well, we found out you don't have the money to own this. That would just be silly, right? I may have a dream, you know, to, to, to do a lot of different things, to go into space. I may have a dream to do. And some of those dreams, if I take action steps toward them, become vision. But a dream is just a dream until you set goals, until you set a plan. Until you take that dream and you say, God, is this my dream or is it your dream? And if it's his dream, then you begin to take steps. And you're like, whoo, that's a big step, God. I can't take that one first. You can, my son, because I'm with you. 
The how is very important. It involves how we act on our mission, the specific way in which our church can function within the part of the city that we're in. How can we bless shepherd and warden in this city? I don't know about you, but every time I walk into that area out there and I see the cranes and I look up this way and I see more cranes, all I see is people that need Jesus and they're coming to us. In a few short years, those buildings are going to be full of people. Some of them may already know Jesus, and some of them will come with the giftings that we, that we need and that we've been praying for. But other ones have never heard Jesus at all. Other ones may even serve other false gods or whatnot, but I'm telling you, I have a burden in my heart for the people that are not even here yet. But the people that are already here need your love. They need your compassion. They need to see that in your heart that you believe that this gospel is good news. It really is good news. And our core values are our defining characteristics of Warden. It's who we are within this group of people, within this body of people. We already know what these things, we just need to flesh them out. It is acknowledging who we are, what makes us unique, and in many ways sets some parameters for our efforts. I got to tell you, like, I could act like certain things are my core values, but you'd find out very quickly that they're not. I can't stand up here and pretend and tell you that I have uh, a core value of being a great hair cutter or a barber. Trust me, the minute you sat in my chair and I cut your hair, you'd call me a liar real quick. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a time where we got to be honest. This is who we are. This is what we love. This is what makes us warden. This is what makes us the part of the church that Jesus needs us to be here in Scarborough. This is what, you know, this is our identity and who we are. So we need your prayers so that when we come together, we can decipher these things and, and agree upon these things. People have asked me how things are going at Warden since I've came eight months ago. Eight months, can you believe that? Tomorrow was eight months already. It's wild. So much to do. Recently, I've been answering this question, you know. They asked me, how has it been going since you came to, to Warden? It's been eight months. And recently, I've been answering the question. I'm learning where the foundation is. And we are getting close to a time when we are, will begin pushing up from there. This is a process, again, I want to invite you into. But it's kind of like when you jump into a pool. We've all been there, Right? especially in a pool that is a little deeper than you expected. You jump into a pool. I always feel so much safer when, I, when my feet reach the bottom, you know, and you brace your legs because now I have that foundation to push up from. And I know the big inhaling breath of aware awaits me once I get back up. I feel as though with everything Warden has gone through in the last few years, it may feel at times like you've been underwater stretching with your legs, feeling for the bottom so you can push up. We are all in different places in this process. But what I am inviting you to do this morning is to begin with me pushing up. We need to push up together. But we need to lay the foundation. We need to understand where we are, who we are, and what we want to do. We are all in different places in this process. There's no way around it. But we all need to push together. How do we push upward together? We ask God for a shared concern within this family. A shared passion. A shared desire. What is it that is important to you, God? What is it that magnifies you in our presence? We ask God to bring us together and bring us with a shared concern. We have two short months that we can cons 
concentrate our efforts in praying for the vision of this church, for the mission of this church. Hopefully you've been praying already. I have said this a few times since I have come, but we need to understand that God, again, is not a God of confusion. I am just silly enough to believe that if we all pray to God and we ask Him for wisdom, when it comes to the direction of word and full gospel assembly, He will give generously to all without finding fault. There's a reason I preached what I preached last week. It's because we need to ask God for wisdom. Like I said to you, we need a healthy fear of stepping in a direction without the direction of God, without the Holy Spirit pulling us in that direction. And I use the word pulling instead of pushing is because I believe that anywhere that God calls us to, He's already there. We get this idea that when God calls us that He's standing behind us to give us a little pat on the bum and send us on our way. It doesn't work that way. He goes from the front and He calls us to where He already is. So the plan for word and full gospel assembly is always in place. It's already in place. He already has a plan for it. We just need to be attentive. We need to be listening. We need to be asking God to reveal it to our hearts, to open our hearts to what he wants to do. Not what Peter Kipenuk wants to do. Not what our board members want to do. Not what the staff wants to do. We need to come into submission to what he wants to do because he is a caller and he is already where we want to be. believe with all my heart he's going to speak agreement into the heart of each of us. We all have stories of where the church come together to try to make decisions and there's fighting and there's arguing. You know, we're human. This heart we have, it turns to evil when we give it the opportunity. It wants us to be evil. It wants us to turn to sin. It wants us to find our own coping methods away from Jesus, away from the direction of the Holy Spirit. Our heart is evil in every way. The scripture tells us very specifically. But it also tells us that we can demolish arguments that sets itself up against the knowledge of God so that we can take captive our very thoughts and every inclination that sets itself up against his knowledge. It tells us that in the same, in the same letter in 2 Corinthians. That we can demolish arguments. And every pretension, every inclination, every little fragment of a thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Taking captive even our very thoughts. Our hearts may be against us in a way, but our brains are our own choice. We can decide with the power of the Holy Spirit what we think, and God will transform the heart. God will do the heart work. We're going to gather around this table in a few moments, and we're going to celebrate the heart work that God has done in us through what he did for us on the cross and the grace and the mercy that was applied. He's going to speak agreement into the heart of each of us. He may speak differently to each of us, which is why we need to listen and be attentive. But our ideas and our thoughts inspired by the Holy Spirit will still come together in shared concern. Next week, we are going to go a little deeper into why the same shared concern is imperative. We're going to talk more about how we need to be praying specifically over the next couple of months in preparation for coming together to celebrate our shared concern for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our shared concern for Wardenful Gospel Assembly families, our family's spiritual vitality, and for our surrounding community here in Scarborough and Toronto. And I have these simple questions for you. Will you, will you dream with me a little bit? Will you join me in this? Praying and asking God to give you a heart for this church, for this city. Will you dream with me? Will you believe with me? Will you pray with me that we would be united, unified by our shared concern? A concern that's not 
put there because the pastor told you. Concern is put there because the Holy Spirit has come to you and he has come to me. And he has brought us into into unity individually. He's spoken to us and he's united us as we come together with a shared concern and a shared belief that the gospel really is the good news. We can live it. We can speak it. We can betray it. It is our responsibility to be purposeful in how we do this. Next week, we're going to look a little bit more at the evidences, the evidence for the same concern, that if we do have the same concern, and if we're praying, and hopefully we'll even begin to see a little bit of it coming to pass, we got a whole week to pray, folks. God can do a lot in one hour of prayer. Imagine what he's going to do in your life in a week. Next week, we're going to talk about what evidence is going to be in the body that's going to display that we have the same concern. It's going to be from the same passage. Go and read it. Read the whole chapter, chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to talk about the evidence that's going to be in the life of this church that's going to display that we have the same concern. It's going to be the markers that display that we have the same concern as the Holy Spirit and that we're going to come together unified and with, through the perfect example of the triune God who's unified in every way. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. Let us never be shy of those words. Let it be the first thing that utters from our mouth when we speak to you, Lord, to remind you and to remind ourselves, Lord Jesus, that we love you and that you love us. And Father, I do confess the holy fear that I have of taking one step in any direction that's not led by you. And I pray that it would be a holy fear, Lord Jesus, that would sweep our midst. That we would come together, Lord, in agreement and with same concern, Lord Jesus, for this church, for for our mission, for our vision, for the direction, for the core values, for who we are. And that we would be in agreement, Lord Jesus, when we move forward, oh God. And so, Father, I just pray, even right now, for that gathering on April the 13th, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would come ready that we would come, Lord Jesus, with burdens in our heart. And that you would fill that room, Lord, with the same concern for this city, for the gospel message to be preached, for the love of God to be shared. Oh, we call and we ask in the name of Jesus to impart wisdom And to give it generously, Lord Jesus, without finding fault. We know we mess up. But to pour your spirit out. To pour your spirit out. Because, Father, we need a fresh wind. Lord, we love you so much today. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord this morning. A gathering as a family, partaking of the Lord's Supper together. I was drawn back to the familiar passage from Galatians this morning when I was talking to God. Galatians chapter 2, beginning of verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and he gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I read these passages painfully slow sometimes (laughs) and in multiple translations because I think sometimes we hear these familiar passages 
and we just whip right through them. Think about this morning what it means to be crucified with Christ. We crucify the old self, the flesh, and we decide to live in the spirit. We decide to live by faith in the Son of God. And I love this phrase. It says, I do not set aside the grace of God. We might be thinking, why on earth would you do that? Religion can come in and cause us sometimes to set aside the grace of God. And this is where what we want in our mind and in our heart can sometimes come in and cloud what God wants. Is because we get in our mind sometimes, and, and, and I'm going to step on some toes this morning, sometimes we get in our mind that this is the way it's always been. This is the way that I did it when I was a child. And I have many of these things and I have fond memories of them. And I remember the songs we sang. I remember getting baptized in the way I did in the Atlantic Ocean and freezing my bones. But I don't expect every one of you to go to the Atlantic Ocean to get baptized. I actually wouldn't recommend it, especially not this time of year. I'm just saying that I just believe, and and I'm not saying that everything, trust me when I'm saying, I'm not saying that I value my heritage, I value Warden's heritage, I value everything that we we do and everything that you have been, and I, I love studying the heritage. I spoke to pastors this past week who are in the church now, that was your first church building down in Toronto. And I want to go visit them, and I want to see your beginnings down here. I want to understand that I, I've cherished the history, but I'm going to guarantee you right now that I'm not a leader who's going to decide to do things because it's the way we've always done them. I'm going to do things, and we need to do things because it's what God wants us to do. It's because it's the way we need to communicate. It's because the way people hear it's because it bears fruit. It's because we're conscious of the fact that we need a culture that makes disciples. We need a culture that welcomes new people. We need a culture that embraces each other and acknowledges the history that's here, but also understands that God is, is not bound to how things were done in the past. I'm not saying that we're going to do things differently that are written in black and white in scripture. We're still going to pray for the sick. We're still going to pray that people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're still going to pray, Lord Jesus, come. We're still going to teach and believe Savior, Healer, Baptizer, and soon coming King. We're going to do all these things, but we're going to be purposeful in choosing the things that we do and why we do them because the kingdom of God is that important. sometimes I believe that we've set aside the grace of God for religion for things that we like and I'm just telling you I believe with all my heart that when we come together to worship and we agree together and we pray from week to week I believe that when we come in here and we feel that agreement I'm going to tell you we're not going to care what type of music is playing, what atmosphere we think needs to be set. We're going to come in and we're going to determine the atmosphere by our approach. And regardless of how we feel about anything, we're going to worship. And we're going to give God glory. We're going to ascribe Him His worth. Regardless. I grew up in a church where we sang little courses over and over and over again. And I, I would never begrudge them. I would never, th- if you ask me nowadays if that really is my style of music, probably not. But I'm going to tell you that because I made a decision when I was young, I didn't always make the decision every time I walked in church, but when I did make the decision, it didn't matter what was playing. I do not remember the song that was being prayed when God gloriously filled me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't. Maybe some of you do. I don't remember the song that was playing when I, find, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't remember these things. All I remember is His presence and the fact that I made a choice to heighten my awareness of Him in that moment.
again, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm gonna, not going to be sensitive to likes and dislikes and different things. Like it's not what I'm saying. I'm just going to say that the pri- I'm just saying that the primary goal is to make Him known and to honor Him above all. And for me, when I walk into a building, whether I like the music or not. I make a choice and say, Jesus, you're worthy of my praise. And today my hands will go up and my eyes will close. And there's a good possibility, as you all may know, that tears will flow. Because I'm going to choose to focus on you. So let's be cautious not to set aside the grace of God. for the righteousness that could be gained through the law. Christ died, or Christ, in essence, died for nothing. Let's rely on the grace of God. Let's be reminded this morning what this little wafer represents. The broken body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died so that we would be free. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the church, in the world today, that doesn't think that being a Christian equals freedom. They look at Christianity and they say, oh, there's a bunch of rules and regulations and all these different things, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is inspiration to do the things that God's heart compels you to do out of joy and excitement and enthusiasm for his kingdom. And when he died, And when his body was broken, it was for your freedom that Christ has set you free. He set you free. So we remember his broken body this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took that upon yourself stood willingly in our place and today we are free so Father we thank you and we agree together Lord as we partake of this little wafer oh God which represents that broken body Lord and we remember what you did for us in Jesus name we pray let's partake together sometimes they've been mentioning the blood too much in church they say oh you mention the blood a lot you know people are going to be turned off and, and they're not, they're, they're not going to understand it and that's, that's true to some degree but we need to tell people what this cup represents and that there was a purpose to his blood being shed that he was the perfect lamb that took our sins upon himself. And by being nailed to the cross, he nailed our sins there. And he made a way through grace and mercy that we could be called sons and daughters of God. And that is not done without the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when we sing, if you're here today, it's your first time in church, when we sing the blood of Christ, you know, washes us white as snow. We sing these things. This is what we mean. It's it's not a literal thing. It's, It's a it's an understanding that when Jesus Christ died, he, he took our sin. And it was through his blood being shed that we are able to stand before him righteous. Scripture says that we're wrapped in his righteousness. And so this cup, never let it lose its, its importance in your life. I think a lot of times we get caught taking the sacrament and not really considering what we're doing. Don't let it be wrote to you. Don't let this moment pass you by without thinking about the fact that he hung in your place. And that he rose again, hallelujah. And then he's going to prepare a different place for you. 
Father, I thank you, Lord, for this cup. Thank you what it represents in my life. Thank you, Lord, that the understanding is there that if your blood wasn't shed, oh God, that I would not be made free today. I would not understand grace. I would not be able to receive mercy. I would still be trudging through this life trying to find my own salvation, trying to find my own morality, oh God. But Lord, I'd much rather come to you one who created us, Lord Jesus, and had a plan for us from the beginning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you sent your only son to die on the cross for our sins and what that represents for us. And so, Father, today, for you, bless this cup as we partake together as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. Excuse me. Thank you, mystery tissue box person. Um, we're going to take a few moments this morning. If you're visiting with us, I want to encourage you to, to visit our visiting desk and, uh, and fill out a connection card so we can, we can connect with you. If you have any questions, uh, please, by all means, reach out to any of our staff, myself. I'll be in the back at, at some point, and I'd love to talk with you. But we're just so glad that you're here today, and I hope that you felt welcome. And uh, we don't want to put any pressure on you if you are visiting with us to give today, unless you feel like God is leading you in that way. But if you're here, I pray that you felt welcomed and, visit and, and, and just loved by this great family. Amen? Uh, if you are here today and you have a need in your body, if you're sick, you're hurt, emotionally, mentally, I don't, I don't know what it is, but if you feel like you need a touch from God, if you feel like you need God to come and intervene in your physical, your, your spiritual, any situation at all, we want to invite you to come. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. We're going to take a few moments. If you have to go, uh, go with the grace of God. Remember next week, we're doing a second part to this. It's super important that you be here. But we want to invite you to come. And I believe with all my heart that God still heals. Amen? If you believe that this morning, we want to invite you to come. We're going to pray for you. We're going to anoint you with oil. Have these little vials of oil. If this is something new to you, I don't want you to be spooked out by it, but the scripture tells us that we anoint people with oil as agreement. It says to gather the elders of the church, anoint them with the oil, and pray the prayer of faith. And we believe in the name of Jesus that you can be healed here this morning. We're just going to take this time and believe together. Amen? If you do stay, you don't have prayer, please feel welcome to pray from your, pew, from your seats. Uh, stick around and, and fellowship and get to know each other. But, uh, and I'll just pronounce a benediction in the name of Jesus right now that you be blessed this week and have an amazing week. But if you do have a need in your body, come. We're just going to worship God uh, for the next little while and take some time to do this in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you today. Thank you.